Hello, Internet. Mike and Andy here from the World Vox headquarters in uh, suburban Columbus, Ohio, um, and uh, South Orange County, California. Mm-hmm. Um, of the two of us, I'll, le- I'll let you guess uh, which one has the uh, wool beanie on right now. Um, <laughs> The California boy. It is uh, it is 26 brisk degrees here in suburban Columbus. Uh, a bit of snow, um, but no fires, thankfully. Yes. Uh, half of California is evidently engulfed in flames right now. Andy Bear ha- caught a cold last night, uh, so his voice is a little deeper than than usual, which is mm. you know, yes, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Um, oh yeah. Bear. Oh wow. Very. <laughs> Barry Laura. Um, <laughs> Barry Laura. Luther Van Lara. <laughs> yes. So, brothers and sisters, hello. Um, it's a Saturday. We're recording on a Saturday morning, which is always treacherous, um, at least in the Erie household, because Seth is uh, alert and awake and roaming, looking for uh, so- something to devour. Mischief. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so he is picking up his brother from soccer practice and then he will be back and I'm sure make a, a quite the splash on the uh, on the podcast. So, uh, we we don't have much time, Andy, okay. uh, to explore to explore some stuff. I thought uh, I thought today we would um, do a bit more of uh, of the Roy Moore thing as a test case. Now, I don't want to talk about it more because obviously, you know, we're kind of all talked out about it. But there, there was this very interesting article that came out, and it was written by a Christian, and it was why it's okay to vote for this fellow Roy Moore if you're a Christian, why it could oh. be justified. All right, so I'm going to read some parts of this. Mm. Um, the woman, let's see, her name is D.C. McAllister, and uh, she puts forth an argument that um, that there are two spheres... Uh, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. Um, th- this is something she borrows from Augustine, where he calls it the city of God and the city of man. And he says, or she says, um, uh, that that there because there are two spheres, leadership operates differently. In the in the in the city of God, leadership has to be character based, um, because that's the in the scriptures. But mm-hmm. in the city of man, sometimes we are forced to make compromises and choose between evils and so on, so on, so on. So that's kind of where she goes with it. Hmm. And and again, I don't want to talk about more, just except as a test case for this line of argumentation. Yeah. Because sure. this is the line of argumentation I hear all the time. And uh, I want to point out just a couple of concerns. So um, uh, let's see. So, so she begins this article um, talking about some of the accusations against Moore. Um, she says, uh, character is important, but it's not the only consideration. That's one of her subtitles. Um, uh, after all, you know, she, and she quotes some, some folks who used to, at least Republican leadership that used to say, you know, character was the most important thing. Right. Um, Calvin Coolidge said character is the only secure foundation of the state. She writes, Uh, Those of us who voted for Trump would agree. Character does matter. And when two people are running for office, you need to take into account the character of both candidates, as well as their values regarding governance and policy, for these reflect character as well. Mm -hmm. Now, now, automatically disagree with that sentence. Policies 
um, do not represent necessarily represent character. Policies represent self interest. Uh-huh. Um, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> you don't so say. If you're, yeah. So so I mean, I, I just think that's really. I think that's really a cheap. Uh, uh, yeah. Not a cheap shot, but a kind of a poorly. Um, because this is the crux of her argument, right? Character matters, but so do other things. But she says, well, listen, you have to consider governance and policy because these reflect character as well. No, they don't. Um, why did did Trump change uh, Israel's capital to Jerusalem simply because that was his he character? He thought it was the right thing to do. And right. Then, you know, he's right. such a nice guy. Yeah. Or the tax cuts that benefit billionaires. I mean, you know, right? I mean, come on. This is absolutely yeah, ridiculous. So yeah. I totally disagree with that. Yeah. Changing health care to rob, you know, millions of people of... <laughs> so... When making a decision about a candidate, the fullness of the person needs to be taken into account, not just one aspect, failing, or virtue, but the whole man or woman, his whole or complete character. His or her complete character, excuse me. Um, Unfortunately, many social conservatives, and Christians in particular, treat secular leaders as if they're spiritual leaders... Right, and this is this goes back to when I when I came out against evangelicals against Trump or for Trump anointing Trump as God's candidate. People were like, "Well, hey, listen, we're not voting for a pastor. It's okay." Uh, she's making that same argument. Mm. Uh, right. Many social conservatives and Christians in particular treat secular leaders as if they're spiritual leaders, as if any stain on their character, fault, or their uh, from their distant past, or even theological apostasy disqualifies them from political leadership. They seem to fear that the personal sinfulness of a man will bring about the ruin of an entire party or nation. Well, that's happened before. I mean, that doesn't seem like an <laughs> out-of-the-box sort of idea. Right. Um, uh, how many times have we... Yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it also seems to affect other social situations, i.e. large churches with big pastors that fall. Right. And, right. 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 How many times have we heard that the vulgar Trump will single-handedly destroy the GOP as if, as if he's a divine prophet rebelling against God's holy decrees? Well, he is destroying the GOP, and you'll see that in five years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's no question about that. So, disagree. So, these are minor, minor things. Um, and I understand, I really do understand and, and can appreciate the argument, the, the pragmatic, like, hey, we, we have to choose what's best for the religious freedom. We have to choose what's best for the abortion issue. And if this is the candidate who will do those things, then we, we got to vote for him, even though we find him incredibly distasteful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and now what this woman's doing is putting kind of a spiritual gloss on that by saying, well, it's because you're in two different spheres, right? One is spiritual, <laughs> one is um, secular, one is sacred, one is irreligious. And the, the leadership required in those, you know, obviously we're not voting for somebody in the spiritual realm, we're voting for someone in the secular realm. Okay, no problem. We're gonna, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, <laughs> So by so so she says by erecting this standard, and the standard is um, thinking that uh, a, a secular you know political person should measure up to spiritual criteria. By erecting this standard, these critics come dangerously close to confusing the sacred and the secular, the city of man and the city of God. I would like to address this point in particular, not whether or not someone should vote for more. Um, uh, most so so now she begins her religious argument. 
Most, if not all, of the commentary in the Old and New Testaments on purity and leadership refers to Israel and the church, that is, the city of God. Christians are God's covenant people, and as covenant holders, they're obliged to not be covenant breakers. Uh, so, so there is a spiritual leadership in the covenant community that is different from political leadership in the secular community. Um, uh, political leaders, she argues, are non-spiritual leaders. Uh, they don't have the same responsibilities, burdens, and covenantal obligations of leaders within Scripture. This doesn't mean we can willy-nilly vote for immoral men, because these are consequences to those kinds of choices in everyday secular life. Okay, well that, okay, so how's your vote not willy-nilly for secular men? Uh, but the prophetic gloom and doom that often comes from Christians who treat politicians as if they're God's covenantal leaders is completely inappropriate. Oh, we're going to pound that one. At its extreme, this kind of thinking leads to Christians concluding they can only do business with other Christians, only have Christian doctors, only watch Christian films, only listen to Christian music, only have Christian instructors and teachers. I'm just going to disagree with that uh, already out of the gate. The idea that um, we should encourage as the Christian community moral leadership does not mean that we think the two spheres are separate. We actually think it means the two spheres are together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's so, the hugest problem with this whole thing. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> such Christians fail to see God's work in the city of man and how different it is from the city of God. That's not true. God uses failed leaders in both. Mm-hmm. God uses in the secular sphere all kinds of, quote, immoral men and women to bring about his purposes for his church. He's actually rather utilitarian and pragmatic regarding the secular world. So next subtitle, sub. Tittle, subtitle, (laughs) heading, God uses evil men to carry out his purposes. And it's kind of like, well, no, duh, right? Of course, because that's the only kind of men there are, by the way. (laughs) Just go back to the Old Testament and see how he uses secular leaders. Uh, But see, see, this is where it's just so wrong. He, (laughs) the only kind of leaders there are are immoral leaders. Right, so even in the covenant community, Moses was not a hundred percent obedient leader. Neither was David. Neither was Solomon. Neither was um, neither was Jacob. Neither was Abraham. I mean, come right. on, the, the scripture leadership so... was a concession. You know, it, it was a concession because yeah, of their God inability was to, be to follow God in his in his presence on earth. <laughs> so, so, so what we're beaten up on is this this incredibly. See, she is radically distinguishing between the 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 city of God, city of man. I just don't buy that bifurcation because um, yeah. we're to be in it in the in the in the world, um, salt and light in the world, involved um, radically in the world, mm-hmm. but radically subverting the principles and powers of the world right it kind of feels like it's personal you know it kind of feels like the whole it's business not personal you know i mean yes 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 so and and again i mean i I, i'm being you know a bit flippant and hyperbolic and kind of reacting to this but but i think it's i think it's a really dangerous argument for christians to employ that that the ends justify the means and 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 we'll get through it and we'll kind of give some examples as to why so she argues, just go back to the Old Testament, see how he uses secular leaders. He employed foreign kings to bring about his purposes. King Cyrus of Persia helped the Jews with royal decrees. The stories of Esther, Daniel, and Joseph are full of God's power being exercised through political leaders, revealing the difference between the secular and the sacred. And that's just so not true. Those stories of Esther, Daniel, and Joseph are all about the sacred and the secular together. Right. Um, f- that that if God is using 
secular people that doesn't make them secular anymore, right? The realm of God's work is history. It's not like some some far off sphere in the heavens, right? It's in the middle of all that's going on. I mean, I just don't, I just don't, I just so disagree that there is this massive separation between these two. Esther even allowed a man who was falsely accused of rape to meet his death because that was what was best for the Jewish people. No, that's that is a total misreading of Esther. The man who had the man had never touched her, but she allowed him to be falsely accused of sexual abuse because it was politically expedient and saved her people from death. So the scriptures reveal how God used of all used all sorts of things to fulfill his plans, including directing a dumb ass. In terms of donkey, to rebuke uh, his servant Balaam to open his eyes to God's truth. Um, it's funny that that she calls him his servant Balaam, because uh, Balaam was hired by the opposing king to curse. I just, I think it's real money. So God forbade his people from forming unholy alliances and intermarrying with foreigners because this was true spiritual corruption. But he used pagan authorities, armies, and even religious people from foreign lands to execute as well. And then often he punished them for doing that. So, hey, Assyria, attack Israel, punish Israel. Great. Now I'm going to destroy Syria for their evil. Yeah. So, so, okay. Um, God's people worked with a prostitute and lies were even justified. Okay. Today, God uses the ungodly as doctors, lawyers, teachers, and politicians to vote for, associate with, or even advocate for a person working in the secular arena who will bring about the greater good, despite being personally a moral pagan or uh, a member of some other unapproved Christian sect, is justified to vote for, associate with. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. To to refuse to do so out of the fear of God's judgment on our nation is fusing the city of man and the city of God in a way that God didn't even do. That's not true. It ignores that God's purposes are manifest through through fallen men, whether they're in the church of the world. They uh, think of all the secular leaders we've had in America, blah, 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 blah. Uh, She then goes on to say, uh, every single political choice is a trade-off. Let's see. Well, yeah, Uh, especially when you're in a two-party system. (laughs) Right. When faced with the choice of who was better for a nation, not simply the morally better person, as reported in the news, my choice was clear. She says, I did not for Trump, did not vote for Trump in the primaries because his political views were not best for our nation as a free republic. His moral failings in his private life had no bearing. Ah, see, I, I disagree with that completely. Um, I am too wise to the world to assume that any man who gets to this level is clean and pure. Okay, I did vote for him in the general because his political views were best for our nation compared to Hillary's. I do not regret this decision with faith with the choice of who was better for our nation, not simply who was the morally better person. As reported in the news, my choice was clear. Um, am I concerned when I hear people saying morality doesn't matter as all, uh, at all, as if we could put, um, put a complete miscreant in the office and not care? Absolutely. Uh, character does matter. We're still more people. Um, even if our associations, um, with people aren't always, uh, moral, this is good and morally consistent, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> see, uh, oh, uh, this is theological and morally consistent. And I recognize the slippery slope that can come of, of what I'm writing here. Why not put the devil himself on the throne if he offers liberty? Some might ask. I, of course, am not saying that. And I'm not talking about putting evil men in positions of power. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. That's exactly what again, you're saying. <laughs> again, character on the whole matters. 
I, oh. However, the, the issue of moral aptitude is not so black and white. People are multifaceted, complex, true. I'm not a, a fan of condemning a person for one failing or even a couple, true. Great. There's more than uh, to us than the singleness of a part. I'm also not going to fall into the trap of treating individual politicians or secular groups as if they're manifestations of the city of God on earth. Fine. Uh, so she she goes on. I mean, and there's... Uh, I don't know how much to get into. Um, uh, <laughs> say, how I much think, farther down, down this hole does she go? <laughs> well... Well, uh, our nation is not a moral collective bound to the promises and warnings of God. Um, but yeah, you could let the Republicans know that. Yeah, seriously. Uh, those belongs to the ch- those belongs to the church. God often speaks in Scripture of a minor corruption infecting the whole, which is why I would punish whole families for the sin of a single man. But this kind of collective judgment does not apply to the secular world today. Mm. Uh, and individuals, uh, too many Christians who worry about God's judgment for uh, for on us for the immoral leader we have chosen to institute principles of freedom and moral policy stumble on just this point because they fail to recognize the city of man is not God's collective on earth. The city of God is. They are not one and the same. All right. So uh, let me just make sure I haven't hit. Um, let's see. Will a serial liar deceive those who put him into office? Most likely. Mm-hmm. Will the porn-watching senator be influenced by his mor- uh, immorality to make bad foreign policy decisions? I don't think so. Will a man's sexual immorality influence his vote on abortions? Probably not. Call him a hypocrite, but I'd rather have a hypocrite who will stop the murder of millions of babies than a virginal man who leads countless to the slaughter. Oh, boy. Well, um, yeah, that's that's still incorrect. <laughs> you, 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 pin, you pin the idea of serial liar and then someone who watches porn, but didn't go into the fact of... Are they addicted to porn, and are, are they are they byproducts of their addiction, and what is the outcome of them operating in addiction? You know, I mean, that's like that's. Well, that, I think, and I flat. think you can dem- demonstrate that both Moore and Trump are serial liars. Yes, absolutely. So it's a very very poor example. Yeah. Um, and obsessively that, narcissistic. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I, I don't know about I don't know about more. I mean, it just seems like the 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 way he's handling this, and and, and there was yesterday a retraction from the woman who um, said she added to his signature in her yearbook. To yeah. Kind of, so so, but that was uh, more of a legal uh, trial issue. She just didn't disclose that she had added added that note for sake, and then since right. she didn't disclose it, then it basically got thrown out. Which is, I mean, that's all just legal problem because she's like. If she, if had she actually just disclosed that she's like, I wrote that's my writing. After this, I wrote that note after I had seen it to make sure that I knew around the time that it was. Then that would have been originally disclosed, and then that would have, right. that would have been an issue. It was only then it became compromised after the fact. Yeah. So that's that sucks <laughs> a lot. <laughs> All right. So so I hope I've done an adequate job summarizing the main argument, quibbling with a few points. Um. And and I, I just want to throw out some ideas about the danger of this kind of argumentation, because I hear it all over the place, right? Well, look at what Trump has done for religious liberty. Why would we ever criticize him? Look at what he's done for the Supreme Court. Why would we ever criticize him? Um, you know, the argument for more is, well, we don't really know what happened. It was 40 years ago. It was a different part of the country, a different culture then. Um, uh, there's no direct evidence that says that, you know, that he did this, and we need his Senate vote. 
So, so, and people have basically said that. I mean, you know, I, I read a quote from somebody, and again, I don't know if it's made up or, or what, but it was like, if Jesus Christ himself said Moore had done this, I would still vote for him. Oh my God. There was something, something along those lines. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. So, so, so again, whether or not you vote for him, and, and the reason we talk uh, in Republican terms so much um, is not because we're liberal, um, although I've been certainly called that. I'm a registered independent, and um, I don't think either party is big enough to capture what God wants for the world. Um, I just, I, I think that there have been so many prominent evangelicals who have... Um, that, that uh, have wedded their theology to their politics in, in, the, in the GOP that I think that has to be spoken out against. Mm-hmm. I don't see that. Now, I, I see it differently on the kind of on the left, um, but on the right, there's this blatant, you know, you've got Franklin Graham tweeting, man, we've never had a president so friendly to Judeo-Christian values. And, and um, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy, some of the stuff that, that people are saying about Trump. And while the rest of the world looks at the sexual assault and Al Franken is dismissed after, you know, four or five allegations, right? He's got a Senate seat. Right. Um, the evidence um, about Moore is, I don't know, it's kind of... It's kind of similar. I mean, there's no picture. Sure. Well, let's um, for, for one second though. Let's let's just dismiss the idea of the allegations. And even for me, even if you just went off his recent quote um, regarding like you know when was America at its greatest state, and he's referring to a time of slavery. <laughs> I mean, like okay, it's like that's on print. Like that's something he said. I mean, even if we just look at that as far as a worldview of what makes up you know the stability of our society. And like yeah. what the the better family unit looks like, because that was kind of in the context right. in which he made that statement. Right. I mean, even I'm like, OK, forget forget the allegations of everything you just said. How can I get behind that when my wife is half black? Yeah. You know, and it's just like as a, as a Christian, I can't I can't even filter that idea. And I'm, I'm like, black you, at heart. Yeah. Are you out of your mind? I mean, it's like I have. Mercedes has had so many funny conversations with her friends when there's like, oh, man, I wish I could just live back in the 50s and the 60s. That was such a better time. And Mercedes just like, oh, yeah, that was a real great time for me. You know, I mean, it's just like <laughs> right. the, the tiny sliver of, of view that yeah. some of these people have. It's just like it's it's yeah. absolutely head spinning. I'm like, where where do you how do you get away with that statement? So and, my so my issue, Andy, isn't that some people hold that view. Okay. My issue is when we baptize that view as Christian. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So you see the difference. Yeah, I see, see people the difference, miss this nuance. Uh, my issue isn't bashing Trump. I mean, he does that himself. Yeah. He doesn't need any help. Yeah. Um, my issue is when we've anointed Trump the evangelical candidate. And that's where that's where, you know, this article for me that's one of the points where this article kind of breaks down is that Trump has been anointed and more too. Because the more supporters have framed this as spiritual attack, and this is a war for our country, right. and they, they co-op language from the scriptures to talk about this. Yeah. Um, I mean, just think about, you know, the, 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 some parts of the evangelical tribe are crowing about how much access, favor, power um, we have now. 
And, you know, and they're using the same argument that this lady suggests that, well, it's okay to work with immoral people as long as, as long as there are good things being accomplished. So you'll have, you know, you'll have somebody saying like the president of Southern Evangelical Seminary saying, you know, uh, Mike Pence is the 24 karat gold model of what we want in an evangelical politician. I don't know anyone who's more consistent in bringing his evangelical Christian worldview to public policy. Um, the president has enjoyed overwhelming support from rank-and-file Christians. He won an astonishing 81% of white evangelicals' votes, more than any Republican president can presidential candidate on record. And while his national approval rating hovers below 40%, poll after poll finds his approval rating among white evangelicals in the high 60s. Uh, the fact that such an ungodly president could retain a firm grip on the religious right has been the source of much soul-searching and theological debate within the movement. Um, uh, on one side, there are those who argue that good, that good Christians are obligated to support any leader, no matter how personally wicked they may be, who stands up for religious freedom and fights sinful practices like abortion. Um, uh, this uh, Southern uh, Evangelical Seminary president said, uh, those who withhold their support from Trump because they're uncomfortable with his moral failings will, quote, become morally accountable for letting the greater evil prevail. Okay, so what I'm trying to show is that the narrative is that the evangelicals, um, that Trump is the evangelicals candidate, and that, that there are evangelical leaders who use God language, spiritual language, Bible language, to talk about this watershed moment for the church. All right? And the, and the arguments they're using are just the arguments that, that this lady kind of makes. Makes right. sense so far? Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. The religious right began, th these are just segments of different like news reports, the religious right began reaping the rewards of Trump's victory almost immediately when the president-elect put Pence in charge of the transition. Given wide latitude on staffing decision, Pence promptly fit, set about filling the federal government with like-minded allies of the 15 cabinet secretaries. Um, eight were evangelicals. Uh, it was gushed ten, Ted Cruz, the most conservative cabinet in decades. Uh, Pence also played a key role in getting uh, Neil Gorshitz, 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 <laughs> nominated to the Supreme Court. So, one of one of the problems I have with the argument, hey, it, it doesn't matter if you vote for a bad person. Uh, as long as they're accomplishing good things, is that if that if that that sole statement were true, I'd still have problems with it, but not this problem. Yeah, the problem this, I this have, yeah. this is a different problem. This yeah. is the evangelical community, at least some within it, anointing an evil person God's candidate. Yes, anoint. See, this is this is saying that yes, God has given us a great deliverance uh, in Donald Trump, and I've heard people say this. I've heard people say it in conversation. I've heard people say it online. I've heard religious leaders say this and tweet this. Yeah. Okay, so this isn't just uh, a few people. This is like, th so it's not just well, we're settling for the lesser of two evils. No, no, no. We've embraced. Right. Yeah. We've embraced this. We've anointed this. We've baptized this. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're if you're an Israelite and Assyria comes to kick your butt because you've been disobedient, okay. But that's a different thing from saying, "Yep, Assyria is God's anointed. We should vote for it in power." Right. I mean, that just right. That, that's those are two different things. So the first issue I have with this whole line of argumentation is that that's not just what we've done. It's not just that we voted 
um, for what we thought was the lesser of two evils is that we've anointed one of the evils as gods and one of the evils right. as anti-gods, right? right. And, and, and in, our, in our politics in Jesus series, we talk about all the issues in doing that, all of the corruption that comes from that, all the pollution that comes right. from that. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, it, yeah, because it feels like now what's happening is once he got in office, the minority that really held that view originally that was suggesting that he was going to be God's candidate is now just, you know, sold the farm for it. You know, has right. gone after that entire, you know, evangelical yeah. camp to say, like, well, look at all the good that he's doing. Clearly, God must be at work because otherwise, how else would this have happened? Which Correct. is just a ridiculous dichotomy because it was like, well, yeah, naturally, this is a black and white system. So everything leaning that direction is going to continue to lean that direction until there's an opposing force. I mean, that's yep. just that's the nature of our politics now so i mean they're selling people on something that was just well that that was going to be the agenda regardless of you know evangelism or christianity it was like he got put in office by the gop by then voted in by people who voted for lesser two evils yeah which then and then which the, all, all, everyone that has a, a stinking republican twitter account is then just you know praising him as if it's if he's god himself not all yep, but not, i'm saying but all. like but enough to right. which then that's so many the narrative. Folk, that's what I'm saying. So enough though that enough people that were kind of on the fence about like, oh well, you know what? Maybe God is doing, you know, great work through him. Like, oh, you know, it's like people who are willing to kind of take a turn and maybe possibly believe that. So they they taken I think they're just kind of trying to leverage and take advantage of folks who are sitting on the fence of that idea. You know, whereas then there's just a divide on the other side. Those who said, Yeah, he's God's candidate, and those of us like those of us that are just like, No, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and so yep. it's that's like I think the point is though, there's more people that were sitting on that fence, you know, that now of like, okay, I, I guess I can buy into that idea, you know, because now I'm seeing the fruit of it. You know, they'll now hold the results, like we've talked about, you know, now that right. re religious freedom has been protected, like all these other things that are happening, as that stuff solidifies, those who were I think questioning if he'd be able to do that are now right. treating it as like oh there must be fruit in this and now they're actually yeah. they're okay with hearing that rhetoric and that's where it's like well i'm saying either way that that doesn't make it you know that doesn't make it true that all of a sudden right. now he's god's candidates that's, that's insanity so so i just want to make it clear because we have a number of of trump supporters in our community and and who listen to the podcast of course Th this isn't a bash trump thing we're not to me whether you voted for Trump or not is irrelevant. It's incredibly relevant about the kinds of arguments that Christians use to in their voting for someone. Yeah. So so that's what that's what I think we're trying to go after is well, I get that you make the pragmatic argument, but in this case there were enough Christians um, anointing uh, Trump as God's candidate and making the same argument for more that there has to be a counter narrative to say no 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 that's that's not this is not necessarily where christianity leads christianity can lead to all sorts of different political positions and not not one of them can claim the name christian right um exclusively so that's first issue second issue um is our absolute hypocrisy because what what this uh author fails to appreciate or note or even pay attention to is the fact that we were the ones 20 years ago making all of the character arguments against bill clinton 
mm-hmm. uh, when we he was up for impeachment, um, you know, against uh, against various. I mean, even as as recently as Hillary, um, you know, she's corrupt. She's a corrupt, lying politician. So so we're we're for so when Trump was attacked, hey, we're not voting for a pastor, but when but when well, why why don't you like Hillary? Well, she's corrupt. Right. So character mattered only on one side of the equation. Right. So it used to be we were the we were the the loudest voice in culture saying no no character matters character matters character matters, and we've totally flopped on that in response to President Obama, and the the kind of counter reaction to what he was doing. To now we're the people who are least likely to say character matters. All right. So here's one data point. Um, in 2011, a poll by the public res—I <laughs> cannot read this morning—a poll by the Public Religion Research Institute found that only 30% of white evangelicals believed, quote, an elected official who commits an immoral act in their personal life can still behave ethically and fulfill their duties in their public and professional life. Only 30% believed that in uh, 2011. In 2016, that number had risen to 72%. 72% now believe. Now, and, and what's the difference? Um, see, if the difference was a well-thought-out, well-articulated theology of whatever, okay, uh, I'd at least be open to it. But the difference has just become overcorrection, fear, and access to power. And now, so so we were the ones in culture, so it just exposes our hypocrisy, and rightly so. We were the ones in culture saying, no, no, character matters. Now we're the ones saying, no, 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 we're not voting for a pastor. It's The kingdom of man is just so different. It doesn't matter. Sometimes it's lesser of two evils. Uh, but we say that only because we now have to, we have access to power. We have an evangelical candidate, quote, unquote. And, <laughs> and so we have to justify our, our voting that direction. And we do so on the basis of the very arguments we condemned 20 years ago. So, so there is a massive, massive sense of hypocrisy um, in our making these arguments. Thirdly, and that leads right into the third point, it totally compromises our witness to the world, our moral witness to the world. When, when the Democrats have no issue putting pressure on Al Franken to resign, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, but do not do so, uh, the Republicans do not do so to, to Roy Moore, and they do so because they, as, as Trump said, we need, we cannot afford a liberal in that Senate seat, guys. Um, it, it shows it shows that mm. all evangelicals care about, now this is not true for everybody, but the narrative is that all evangelicals care about is political power to ram our agenda down the culture's throat, which is nothing of what Jesus did or was like. Right. Not one damn thing Yeah, was he... And so it's just absolutely, we've shown time and time again, we're willing to compromise our moral standards for the sake of political power to win political victories. And they're all such short term, right? I mean, yeah. So even a Supreme Court justice, great, 30 years or whatever, um, uh, is that worth sacrificing the next generation of of Republicans? Because, man, we're hemorrhaging, right? And we, I don't even mean me, I'm out. I've been out. 
Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't think any political party is big enough to capture what God wants to do. And so, so I'm not a single issue voter. I think it's very nuanced. Um, I, I'm open to voting for you know whoever the best candidate is. All things considered, character above all else. I'd rather have somebody temperate. I mean, I you know okay. I'm I'm, I'm kind of going off, but <laughs> but but it, uh. it compromises our witness in such a dramatic way that we lose i mean so so we're going to be the ones who oppose gay marriage but we don't listen to credible eyewitnesses saying that they were assaulted by a senate candidate when our whole culture hollywood everywhere is is putting up huge fights against this mm -hmm. and and listening to accusers and validating their testimony evangelicals have anointed a president who had 19 women i think it was 19 women say they were sexually um, assaulted or or abused or whatever by a president. I mean, come on. This yeah. is awful. This is right. awful. Like I oh, That's Big Nate. Hey yo. Hello, Big Nate. Big well, Nate had practice outside in twenty six degree weather today. Ooh. Solid. Yeah. I mean literally you're probably freezing and now a, a brick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come here, Seffy. Oh, Seffy. Hey, what's up, bud? Hi, yeah. Seffy. Come here, look at me. Man, you got big boogies. You want to say, I like big boogies, cannot lie. You want to say hi to Vaxo? Yes. Say, hi Vaxo. Hi Vaxo. You want to sing We Wish You a Merry Christmas? Yes. Okay, ready? No. No, you're not going to do it? No. Okay. Dad, do it. Dad, do it? Yes. Oh, they don't want to hear me sing, buddy. Sing you're the good it. singer. Ready? <laughs> we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a merry and a happy new year. Yeah, yeah. that a boy. That a boy. Say hi to Mr. Andy. Hi, Mr. Andy. Hi, Sethy. <laughs> Love you, buddy. All right, let's go upstairs. All right, let's go upstairs, Bob. Ready? No. Thanks for saying hi. Well, They're it, trying to wipe his nose, and so Seth has run away. Yeah. And you Who know likes having their nose wiped? Go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say what's interesting to me now is that it, you know, it's no surprise. I'm saying it's no surprise, and I think that you know wh wherever, however you want to see this is. What's interesting is how much um, you know the Democratic side is taking responsibility, <laughs> you know, for when this stuff is now happening. You know, I mean, right. we're firing people, we're letting people go. I mean, like they're trying to jump and correct on like their own game, and at least. and in some of it's politically motivated yeah. because that just puts pressure on Republicans to do so too. So I'm I'm sure it's not all 100 percent like pure oh, motives. Oh, oh, absolutely. But, but if you're talking like, about the corporate witness to America of a certain tribe of evangelicals, right, we've completely lost any moral high ground. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and you know, it's just, ah, it's such a pain because, like, you have evangelicals have even labeled Trump as the evangelical leader when it's like, okay, well, Trump was raised Presbyterian and Hillary was raised as a Methodist. So it's right. like if we're even if we just kind of okay, what what are we talking about here as the bedrock as far as what the character and moral filter is? Because if we are looking at it through the lens of faith, and you're looking at it through the lens of like their own upbringing and faith, uh, like all this is is that quote unquote evangelicals decided to pick, you know, which one they would tie their values to, even if they didn't that person themselves did not hold their same values aside from their political agendas. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's what we're talking about. I mean that's how many, what we're talking about. You know, so it's even, you know, the, some of the core values of even I think some evangelicals fall apart if they're like, hey, well, why don't you sit down with a Presbyterian or a Methodist and talk about, you know, some of the doctrinal, you know, ideals that you have. How many evangelicals right. will throw out egalitarianism where, you know, met, like Methodists uphold that, you know, right. it's like similarly with Presbyterians. It's just like 
that like oh what are we talking about here because it's it, yeah. that's where to me it just it clarifies in in how this all becomes insanely political and completely unrelated to faith and moral character yeah so yep all right so 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 that's top three objections to that line of thought objection number four <laughs> um it actually it actually reveals where our faith really is mm. and so um so this is an article i don't i don't know who wrote it but i'm going to quote from it so it's not my thought but i thought it makes some incredible points <laughs> um and uh the basic argument of more supporters is that the stakes in the u.s elections are so high that we have to disregard what might otherwise be valid moral objections to voting for him defeating the church's political enemies is so important to this critical moment in our history that even voting for a monster is justified one prominent evangelical leader has said that god gave america a second chance for survival with donald trump's election and that second chance will be hindered if pro-life republicans lose lose ground in Congress. That brings us to the real heart of the issue. Is this actually a critical moment in our history? Um, believe it or not, it depends on our answer to a deceptively simple question, what is history? Uh, worldly thinking produces a clear answer. The world, uh, the, the, the world thinks that the history of any group, whether it's a nation or a church, means its history from the time it emerges is a distinct entity until the time it disappears. Uh, so, so a critical moment in the history of a nation or church is a moment where a group is faced with a choice that could cause it to disappear. The Bible destroys this kind of thinking. The history of God's people begins with Adam and Eve and has no end. The gates of hell, according to Jesus, will not prevail against God's church. His church is indestructible because it rests on the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, that was my ad. The, um, so here's his big line, which I thought was great. The church's fate is not electoral, it's eschatological. Now, eschatology is the study mm -hmm. of the last things, of the final things. And it refers to the ultimate victory of Christ over the powers and the principalities and the vindication of Jesus's people at the end of history. Right. That's what it refers to. So, so when we when we substitute uh, political power for faith, um, uh, and 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 and, I, and our substitution is because no one would say that's what I'm doing. But the zeal, the fervency, the anger, the insults, right? When you dare question this, that shows that's exactly where our faith is. Um, uh, not, not only exposes our hypocrisy, but compromises our witness, correct? Because the church should be the place where we are the most fearless, where mm. we follow a, a, a savior that, that death could not hold him, um, where we believe that, that there is a kingdom that cannot be shaken by anything that happens on the earth, mm. right? No matter what happens, we are in God's good hands. Mm. But no one really believes that. So, so instead, what we have is this mad scramble for political power because we're at a crucial moment of history yeah. um and so so i thought that was really genius that that there's a sense in which uh the church hollows out its witness not just on political and moral issues but the very witness uh, that its existence was meant to proclaim yeah that it is possible to be safe on the earth and to not care about what happens to you yeah because yeah. right yeah yeah i found that article it's written by uh greg forster from uh, nice. It was, it was actually published on the Gospel Coalition. Shocking. But that's a different <laughs> issue. <laughs> but um, no, that's that's exactly it. Like that's yeah. Yep. And then last critique. 
you have examples in scripture where Israel was tempted to make political allegiances, mm-hmm. but was to- because the very survival of the nation was at stake. So I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Judah and the Assyrian Empire in uh, the beginning of Isaiah, and God is so clear. Trust God for your salvation alone. He alone can and will protect his people. Uh, the, the demand for trust in Isaiah was so absolute uh, that any quest for military allegiance was condemned by the prophet, right? I mean, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and who trust in chariots, um, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel for their protection, mm-hmm. right? So, so interestingly, you've got the covenant community, right? The covenant community would have never, ever colluded with Rome, no matter what threat it was for its existence, right? The covenant right. Com- community never colluded um, with uh, these foreign powers. Um, in fact, now now some did, but they were all universally condemned for their collusion, right? right? Jesus condemns the leadership for idolatry of Rome. Hello, Sethi. Right? The prophets condemn any time the kings would make unholy allegiances with political powers. Right? right? Even even Israel's own desire for a king was condemned by God because it was a rejection of his leadership. So how can we say, oh, well, look at all these non-Christians that God uses in politics in the Old Testament, while at the same time they're being roundly condemned and the covenant community is being roundly condemned for trusting in them. Exactly. Yes. Right? Yes. So come on. (laughs) so one other article oh this is so good i don't know who this is david somebody i'm sorry so i just think wow i'm sorry evangelicals but your lack of faith is far more dangerous to the church than any senator president or justice of the supreme court Okay, I love that. Your lack of faith that our God is true, real, working on our behalf, and does not need political power to accomplish his purposes. Um, And then then he says later on, I'm beginning to realize that countless older Christians misled their kids and grandkids. They said that moral character matters in politics. They said they were building a movement based around ideas and principles, not power and party. They Mm. said those things right up until the moment when holding firm to their convictions risked handing Hillary Clinton the presidency. And at that point, the dam broke. Now they're willing to sell out for a lousy Alabama Senate seat. Dude. (laughs) And that's the concern, right? Yeah, that's it. So whether or not you support Trump or more is irrelevant. I I, I think that you can make good arguments uh, for their support. I think you can make good arguments for not supporting them. I personally do not, just to let you know my biases show. The issue I have is the kind of arguments employed by the Christian community in their support. I think they will have much more tragic consequences should Trump never have been elected or more not be elected, right? I just think the longer-term consequences of the kind of moral compromises and arguments we're making are much more damaging to our republic than the risk of a Hillary Clinton presidency or um, whoever this other person is, Dave Jones or Don Jones or what's Doug Jones, Doug Jones in Alabama. Hmm. And that's the big concern. Make sense? Yeah. All right. So we've talked a little politics. We talked a little Sethi. Yeah, uh, Andy, you did well today for cold. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I actually uh, didn't have to clear my throat as much. I did uh, editing last week with that. Oh, you did really <laughs> for myself. Yeah, nice. <laughs> the burping episode was the worst one. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a 
That's top of the heap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was just the worst. That was the worst. I'm yeah. on some meds that caused me to burp a lot. And right. one whole episode, I didn't realize I was doing it. And Andy had to go and edit every single one out. There were a few. <laughs> the, is that the one where you missed a few? Um, or no, was that just it was a different the episode one? before that one? I had missed a couple. Yeah. And it just it made me pay hyper attention during that season. And that the following episode, I was just like, dang. Dang. <laughs> so I had to. Yep. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's all good. So classy. Stay classy. It's all good. You know, it's like we say, you know, with with what you said about just we can't, you know, this this whole thing isn't isn't to be, you know, explicitly anti-Trump or that kind of thing, but rather against, you know, how you're saying it's being held. But, you know, for what it's worth, it's it comes across equally as indicting, you know, because it's just there is those who've, you know, that are on that side. And then we're still kind of, you know, front facing the fact that it's like, yes, while you might have voted for Trump, the also you are also one of those people who's maybe making those agreeing with those other statements as well. You know, so it's just, that's what's been hard is I've actually, I have encountered very few people who have voted for Trump that were in the likeness of at least this perspective that at least were able to say, I voted for Trump. I hate that. I had to do it. It was the worst of two evils. And that's yeah. that you know yeah. i mean i i honestly i've barely met anyone who thinks that way the people who i've that i've met that have voted for trump are actually far more like you know nope but he's the one that's gonna you know do all right. these things and i'm just like what? I, I don't i just I that ain't me but yeah yeah all right my brothers and sisters so what's it look like to become people who trust in a kingdom that cannot be shaken of course we have political opinions of course we debate political issues absolutely but the fervency the divisiveness the anger the energy we devote to it would be far less um, if we actually believe we're ambassadors and citizens of another realm so um, my brothers and sisters may we become people who rest in the goodness and providence of God to the point where we realize our future hope is not based on what happens in the United States politically. And uh, until that day comes, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and may he give you peace. Until next time, my friends, thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast, and now support us on Patreon at patreon.com/voxpodcast.